to when I was much younger, back when I needed someone to actually put me to bed. I don't so much need that now. Um, But I tend to remember the times my dad put me to bed more than I remember the times my mom put me to bed. So whenever he would, would be bedtime, we would go through the usual things. I would go in, crawl into bed, and I just need one more drink of water, please. Right? I just need one more fluff of a pillow because it's not fluffy enough for my head, and I just, please. Right? How many of you put kids to bed and it's just one more thing? I was a kid who did not sleep with stuffed animals. I had this enormous plastic Fisher-Price flashlight. I loved this thing. It went with me everywhere. I slept with it. And I would accidentally roll it off the bed in a way that made it go under the bed. And so then I can't go to sleep because I need my flashlight and you have to crawl under my bed and I can't go to sleep if you're under my bed because it might be a monster and not you. I was really good at inventing things. So we would go through this whole thing And we would say prayers, and then it would be story time. And my dad is not the type of dad who would read me a story, um, probably because he knows I would pick the biggest and longest book on the shelf. So he would tell me stories instead. So I would be tucked into bed after having my last sip of water and having my pillow fluffed and holding my flashlight and all tucked in and ready for a story, And he would start with, like, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. We know that story? Little girl, she goes into the woods, meets bears, things happen, porridge, beds. It's a little vague now. Because at some point during this story, as my father was telling me, when Goldilocks was walking through the woods, she would come across Hansel and Gretel. who were following a trail of breadcrumbs. They were not leaving a trail of breadcrumbs. They were following a trail of breadcrumbs to a mattress store, (laughs) right? Where they would find a princess sitting on a pile of mattresses, and she couldn't get comfortable because there was not a pea in the mattresses. There was a bag of tea tucked somewhere in this pile of mattresses. Now, I was not a child who would allow stories to be told incorrectly. So I would get really riled up and say, no, you have to tell the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and then you can tell me the story of Hansel and Gretel, and then you can tell me the story of the princess and the pea, because this is not how this story is supposed to go. Don't you know this? You are an adult. I may have not said those words, but the point got across. I was put out because he would mess up stories and tell them in ways that they were not supposed to go together. So I had flashbacks of this while I read through the last portion of this week's gospel reading. Have you already forgotten how this week's gospel reading ended? You see, I was expecting the version of this story from Luke, 
where the invited wedding guests also did not show, but others were invited, and then they shared a wedding feast together, gathered around the table. So when this version of the story ended with someone being thrown out into weeping and gnashing of teeth, it felt like I was hearing another one of my dad's fractured fairy tales because this is not how the story is supposed to go. Am I the only one who thought this? No, (laughs) right? So I want you to remember a couple of things. The first is we are nearing the end of the gospel according to Matthew. This morning's gospel reading was from chapter 22 out of 28. So we're getting (laughs) near to the end. This is the part of the gospel where the pace quickens, where Jesus is tested by the scribes and the Pharisees and other leaders, and then Jesus tests them right back. This is the part of the gospel where they're pushing against one another, each believing that they are upholding God's law and demands for God's people. And we know that it is this struggle that leads to Jesus' death and resurrection in just a few more chapters. Right? Because between 22 and 28 is when that happens. But we're not there yet. Because that is still to come. So for now, we are very much still in the struggle. Now, struggles are born out of differing views, out of competing for resources, out of how we prioritize our time. Have you ever gotten in a fight with someone because you chose to do this with your time and not this? I got in trouble all the time as a kid because I never cleaned my room. I played online all the time, right? Now, for the king in our gospel reading, his struggle comes from being snubbed over and over again by those he had invited to celebrate his only son's marriage. To help soothe that pain that that struggle had caused, he requests that the wedding hall be filled with guests, to be filled with Strangers who have been gathered in from the streets. Strangers who had started their days with one idea of where they would be spending their dinner. Who have now been invited to this banquet where they will leave having made new acquaintances and new friends. This is why the image of a wedding feast is used over and over again to describe God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy. Because gathering together for a meal around a table is what takes strangers from being strangers to being acquaintances, and it's what takes acquaintances from being acquaintances to being friends. Sharing meals and hosting a banquet is about much more than making sure that there is enough 
chairs, that there is enough tables, that there's enough silverware, that there's enough plates, there's enough food, that there's enough to drink, that there's enough people. It's about much more than figuring out the seating chart that allows these friends and these family members to sit together despite this family conflict we had over in 1984 that we don't ever talk about, right? But these family members cannot sit together because they just do not talk to one another. Have you, have you planned weddings? Have you done seating charts? Okay, just making sure. It's because it's gathered around tables. That is where relationships are formed and deepened. It's where we share what happened to us that day, or this is what's happened since the last time we saw each other at a banquet or at a table. It's where we laugh. It's where we realize that there are serious things we have to talk about. So this gospel reading on its own, it does not paint an entirely welcoming picture about who is included in the invitation and then who is excluded after they show up after being invited. Like, this is not an entirely welcome story, correct? Right? You know? Yes? But if we remember that this is not the only story of a wedding feast, and we read it together with the other stories of wedding feasts and banquets, we know that there will be feasts with abundant food, where the tears from our past hurts will be wiped away, and where we will share bread and overflowing cups of wine with our friends and with our enemies. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord, fed and forgiven forevermore. Amen.